Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat Hers from Faster Skier. We have a pretty weird and somewhat inane bonus episode for you where uh, we hear from a special guest who uh, has, shall we say, a unique perspective on the sport of cross-country skiing. I'm going to leave it at that and uh, go to... Devin Kershaw, who is going to give us a little more context before we get into an interview. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back in a minute. This episode of the Devin Kershaw Show is sponsored by Solomon. The best way to create a better tomorrow is to be enthusiastic about what's coming next and prepare for what's yet to be done. Solomon has committed to a responsible tomorrow by refocusing the entire company and its operations to create responsible products with a smaller footprint on the environment. Solomon's goal is to drive change within our communities by creating more inclusive outdoor experiences. At the same time, they are committed to conducting their business responsibly while delivering high-performing products with the most innovative designs. Together, we must unleash the best version of ourselves and collectively become agents of change. Solomon, tomorrow is yours. Check out Solomon's full line of skis, boots, clothing, and accessories at Solomon.com. Nat, I have to come at you here. Like most of this podcast project, the best interviews and most kind of professional interviews, like the, the episode that we've gotten the most feedback and the most kind of reach was your interview with Klebo that we ever did. And somebody was missing in that. And this was by design. I wasn't there because I was sick. Uh, but thankfully, because I'm a train wreck and no one wants to hear me say shit. And that's why we get the most reach and accolades from episodes where it's just you taking the helm. Reed Epstein is a political reporter for the New York Times, about as far away from cross-country skiing culture as you can get. During the episode that I'm trying to tee up here, he even mentioned that he has never even stepped foot on cross-country skis before. So some of you listeners that are kind of teeing up and thinking that you're going to get into like a deep cut with, you know, like some of our classic episodes with Zach Caldwell, where we're talking about like the nitty gritty of designs pressed into PTEX bases. This is about as far away from that as it can be. But Reed Epstein had a really interesting idea right now. It's been insanely cold in the US, especially in the Midwest. And of course, God, uh, I'm Canadian, so I can say this, hit me with the hate mail, but the sideshow that is election run-ups that the whole world has to deal with, even in Norway, I'm reading about this every day, uh, it kicked off with the Iowa caucuses for the Republican Party. And Reed thought it would be pretty fun to kind of talk about how it feels to be second place or like how it feels to win races or how it feels to come second and what happens when you've won and come second. And since it's so insanely cold in Iowa, he decided this would be pretty fun to ask an iconic winter Olympian. Someone who's been dodging our piece of shit podcast, I'll have you know, Jesse Diggins. And Nat had a great conversation with Reed about his conversation with Jesse Diggins. We're, we're really going like meta here. You know, it's like yeah, we, we it's can't get meta. Jesse Diggins so you can have a conversation with someone else who did talk to Jesse Diggins. Exactly. And it's like a New York <laughs> Times reporter, too. So it's not just anybody. And a political, um, a political reporter for the New York Times, which that desk is... 
carries a lot of weight. For the international crowd, maybe this is one you might want to skip. Essentially, if you're no, not, it's a it's a it's a window into the U.S. political. Uh, it, it is a window. Process. It is a window into the U.S. Pol political um, lexicon and reality. I follow American politics fairly closely uh, as a sorry. No, I do though. I mean, I'm as an avid, I'm an avid reader. I'm also like great friends with uh, Noah Hoffman, and we spar. We're not spar. I'm like keeping good touch with Noah and uh, an ex cross country skier that's at Yale Law School at the moment that is very politically um, uh, interested. Interested. So, and a New Yorker subscription, man, they come every week, buddy. So you got to like keep up with that New York Times subscription. I have a new New York Times subscription as well. So, but this was a really, really fun discussion and interview that you had with him and i really appreciate you taking the time we to to reach out to him i thought i thought his perspective was pretty hilarious and then like the linking cross-country skiing with an american republican primary not just any american republican primary but like the first of this election cycle um was really a pleasure to hear so i i appreciate you taking the time nat and i hope the listeners enjoy enjoy this uh, lively discussion with uh, Reed Epstein and, and that. <laughs> I grew up in the Midwest and I lived in Wisconsin and I've done like cold weather stuff. Um, but I don't remember like not being able to go outside uh, yeah. and you're stuck in a pretty drab hotel with all of your colleagues and no one can leave. And uh I it was we were pretty close to getting into like you know the a scene from the movie Alive where the soccer team <laughs> ate each other. So okay, maybe we'll start the tape there. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, I am very excited to introduce Reed Epstein, who is a political correspondent for the New York Times in Iowa. Has had a distinguished career working as a reporter at other publications that include the Long Island tabloid newspaper Newsday, uh, a place where at one time I was a distinguished intern, uh, also, also at Politico, uh, where um, among Reed's accomplishments, I love this, was, was breaking the story that Mitt Romney, while he was a presidential candidate, was having a car elevator built at his house, which I think really to the extent that Mitt Romney had an um, image as a working man of the people, which maybe is a stretch. Yeah, I'm not really, sure that ever. I'm not sure that that ever was the case. But no, uh, I don't think so either. <laughs> um, but in any case, uh, so he is. Uh, he he works. Reed works for the New York Times. He's in Iowa. Uh, he has a little bit of a cross country ski adjacent story to to share with us this week and. Um, I uh, wanted to start by asking Reed if you have uh, interpreted this question in any way you please, but have you ever been on a podcast this legitimate? Yeah, <laughs> this legitimate. Um, I mean, it's the world, what, America's top cross-country skiing podcast. Well, I mean, I haven't actually looked at the analytics, and I think there are two others or three others so I, well, I generally feel like it's okay to say that in a private context without anyone yeah. challenging it it's, it's the only it's the only one that i've heard of so it for me then it's the best have, have you ever been on joe rogan no i've not been on joe rogan. i don't know that the new york times goes on joe rogan That's i was gonna say question. yeah nytpr might might not sign off on that um 
Oh, the other thing I was going to say is that you were almost certainly the worst cross-country skier ever to come on this on this podcast. Well, I don't think I have ever actually been on cross-country skis. Oh. I'm not sure. I can't remember if I did in Wisconsin when I lived there, but like, there's not enough uh, snow in Washington to yeah. to actually do this. But my one of my editors is from Minnesota, uh, and actually has cross-country skied well, her when i told her that i was talking to jesse diggins uh she nearly hyperventilated um because she uh her grandparents are also from afton and she once uh she said last year or the year before she was on a, a cross-country ski race in minnesota and finished right in front of jesse diggins father and so she has the result sheet where it says like her last name and then Diggins right after it, but she's printed out and put that's, on the wall. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's that's a that's a legitimate accomplishment to uh, yeah. anyone in the in the line of descent of an Olympic medal winner. Right. <laughs> it counts. It's pretty legit. Yeah. Um. So so okay, you you skipped ahead a little bit. I I wanted to sort of get into why we brought a political correspondent onto this uh, program. So, you know, we can cut this out if it's too embarrassing, but it's not, I assure you. But I did I did get a text from you the other day that was like, Do you have Jesse Diggins' phone number? And I was like, Why do you want to talk to Jesse Diggins? Uh no, I don't, but maybe I can help. Uh but so yeah, what what was the impetus for this? Um so I helped write um the New York Times political newsletter. And heading into the Iowa caucuses uh, on, on Monday, we were trying to think of like what to write in a newsletter that would come out a few hours before the caucus took place. And we were kicking around different ideas. And one of the ideas that my editors and I came up with was uh, because the real drama around what was happening in Iowa was not whether Donald Trump would win, but about who would finish in second place and the, the importance and power politically of a second place finish. And so we thought about like, who would know about what it means to finish in second and, and why second can be good sometimes, but Olympic silver medalists, right? Like they are people who didn't win, um, but often are extremely proud of their finishes and uh, and so, you know, I looked at one of the things I looked at was like, who has won the most silver medalists? Who's won the most silver medals? Who's won the most silver medals without winning a gold medal? Um, and there's a, uh, an Olympic swimmer from the 70s who has the most silver medals in U.S. history. There's another German swimmer who won the most silvers without ever winning a gold at the Olympics. Um. But then we thought a little bit more about, you know, because it was 20 below zero in Iowa, that we really should talk to a winter Olympic athlete about winning a silver medal. Uh, and Jesse Diggins, as I'm sure listeners of this show know, uh, won silver in the, the Beijing Olympics mm -hmm. two years ago, and that she won gold, the first gold uh, in the U.S. and cross-country skiing four years before that. So not only does she know about the triumph of a, of a second-place finish, she also knows about the difference between first and second-place finish. 
And so we thought uh, that she, if we could get her on the phone um, uh, on short notice on a Sunday when she was in Europe, that she might be a good person to help explain kind of the 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 power of second place to and and perhaps if she'd be a good sport about it could translate it to like her experiences into politics. And so uh I then my thought went to like how do I get a hold of uh an, an Olympic medalist on like two hours notice uh on a on a holiday weekend on a Sunday. You've chosen the right sport. And so I because uh, at that point we had also I had you know sent blind emails and calls to many other Olympic medalists without a whole lot of success um, in the sort of the previous hour or so that I had been figuring this out. Was the sports desk fully looped in at this point? Well, you know, we we, we no longer have a sports desk. Oh, right. So uh, I messaged Juliet Masur on the sport, who used to be on the sports desk and now is uh, in the rest of the paper. She, there are a couple people that she had numbers for, um, but they were numbers that I'd already tried. Um, um, but Jesse Diggins seemed like somebody who, who might just be the perfect person to, to speak to this. And so uh, I, I texted you uh, and you put me in touch with, I think even before I texted you, she has a, an agent whose cell phone number is on her website, and I called called that guy. Uh, I forget his name, but like it sounded like he was in the middle of some sort of meal with his children, and didn't sound particularly thrilled to help me out. Um, and then you gave me the number for another representative, uh, uh, more of a PR type person, who, when I called her, she immediately cottoned to the idea, said it was great. And that she would call uh, call Jesse in Europe and have her give me a call in an hour, basically, and set up the call. Uh, I, my Minnesota editor, I, who was very excited to, to that I was talking to, her, I had her come in the room and put Dickens on speaker so she could listen. Um, but my editor, Kathleen, like was too nervous and excited to actually speak, and she. She was concerned that if I had uh, suggested that she ask a question that would have turned into like the old Chris Farley show on Saturday Night Live, where it just would have been like, remember when you did this? Remember when you did that? Um, and so I tried to, I we had a conversation about what it's like to compete in the cold, what it's like to win, what it's like to be second. Um, and I thought she did a very... Um, a very sort of credible job of explaining that about sort of for her and for athletes and perhaps for politicians in Iowa that it, judging yourself based on your own expectations is just as if not more important than anyone else's and that for her own sort of mental health that that's what she does when she competes but that the rest of the world doesn't know about your own and expectations and uh, what, what how you're feeling and so they judge you based on whether you won or lost someone uh slyly making an argument against the the your your existence as a political correspondent actually <laughs> well you know um she did 
she did say many times that politics is not a world that she knows. Uh huh. Um, well, I would say uh, we did invite Jesse to come on the podcast this week. Regrettably, she was uh, she was available for Iowa caucus recap, but not not the uh, North America's ostensibly biggest cross country skiing podcast. Um, so I have a couple additional questions about this. Um, one is, as you said, you know, the the fo- your your focus of this newsletter was that uh, the Iowa caucus was a race for second, uh, and you talked to Jesse Dickens because she has experience placing second. The second place finisher of the Iowa caucus is, as it stands now, is Ron DeSantis. Um, and so I'd like uh, you to please compare and contrast Jesse Dickens and Ron DeSantis. <laughs> Well, um, they both know what it's like to finish first. Ron DeSantis has won two elections for governor of Florida. Uh, and uh, the Iowa caucus, I believe, is the first election that he's been in that he hasn't won. Because uh, he wouldn't, he was elected to Congress. Um, he was in a pretty safe district. I don't think I'm not the Ron DeSantis expert on our staff, but I don't believe that he has had run in any prior races. Um, but he had set his expectations in Iowa pretty high uh, early on. For months, he was saying he was going to win in Iowa. And then in the last six or eight weeks or so, when it became clear he wasn't going to win, he started to set his expectations that he was going to finish second in Iowa, that that was the, the target was to do well enough in Iowa that he could go to New Hampshire with an argument that he could still be the nominee of the Republican Party. And then just in the last few days before the caucuses, uh, Nikki Haley, the former South Carolina governor and UN ambassador, was making a charge here. There was a a poll from the Des Moines Register that showed her in second place ahead of DeSantis. Um, And... Uh, and so if, if DeSantis had finished third, it would, would would have been seen as a real body blow to his, camp- to his campaign and his chances moving forward, in part because the next two states on the calendar, New Hampshire and South Carolina, are seen as more favorable to Haley than they are. So he had to finish second. Uh, and, and, and so when he finished second... Uh, he delivered a victory speech, uh, as can as political candidates tend to do. Um, Nikki Haley, who finished third, also delivered a victory speech. And even though she finished third, she declared it a two-candidate race, um, which was a, a curious pivot on her behalf. Um, and so, like, he, DeSantis, like, has, in the same way that Diggins, when she won the silver medal, after uh, after suffering, coming down with a case of food poisoning, or uh, there was a big race in Finland in November when she got like popped in the face and lost her glove with a mile to go and finished second. Like those were races that when we talked, you know, she said that those were just as satisfying to her personally as races that she's won because either the conditions were, were so difficult or she wasn't in peak condition and she was able to gut through it and, and finish well. Um, you know, DeSantis probably 
that's a maybe a bit of a stretch for DeSantis to make that kind of argument for for himself in Iowa. Um, but second place was was the best he was could could have hoped for, and and that's where he well, that's what he got to uh, on Monday. Um, I'd say that was some rigorous and somewhat uh, disappointingly serious analysis of the situation, <laughs> uh, but but still helpful for for listeners uh, probably trying you know, to. I have to make. I have to maintain New York Times standards a little bit. No, absolutely. If not um, all the time. They let me say they let me say boogers on the daily Tuesday morning, which felt like a real victory. Um, yeah. since I couldn't get that word into the paper. But really? Yeah. yeah. Family newspaper, no no boogers. We, we we snuck it into the podcast. I, you know, podcasts do have much lower I can I can say from experience <laughs> that podcasts do have much lower standards than yeah. written work. So okay, I have two more questions. Uh one is that cross-country ski racing, um, as many listeners will know, has a temperature cutoff uh, for like athlete health and safety. So I think it's like Does it? what is International it? Ski Federation rules, uh, I think, say that negative four uh, Fahrenheit is the coldest it can be and you can still start a race and otherwise the race has to get delayed or canceled. So in your professional, political and journalistic opinion, um, should the Iowa caucuses have had a temperature cutoff? And if oh. so, what should that temperature cutoff be? Well, if they were outside, there certainly should have been a cutoff. Um, I mean, I don't, I will tell you this, my um, my six-year-old, when I was leaving for Iowa, said, why don't they have the first state be South Carolina? Because it's much warmer there and the food is better. And I find that hard to disagree with um on both counts and and as you as you may know your listeners may know uh the democratic party has changed its presidential calendar so their first contest is in south carolina it's not competitive this year because joe biden is running for re-election um, but four years from now those of us covering democrats uh may instead of freezing ourselves to, nearly to death in iowa uh, could be eating like uh, fresh oysters and uh, being near the beach in South Carolina. So that's that is one thing to look forward to four years from now. As a guy who just went to South Carolina, I would agree. Although I would also note that you you ducked the question a little bit, but that's okay. Um, it's a tough it's it's tough getting grilled on the Devin Kershaw show um, because I know that you know what it, it's like. Not media matters, but uh, Project Veritas is probably going to be listening to this to make sure you haven't said anything offensive yeah. to the. We we do we do always have to look out for those things. Yeah. Um, okay. So last thing is you have interviewed innumerable politicians in your career um i don't know how many you maybe you can tell us how many olympic medalists and cross-country skiers you've interviewed but i am curious uh how much potential you think jesse diggins has uh based on your conversation with her uh to become like a u.s senator or member of congress i'm trying to think i don't know i'm sure i must have talked to some other olympic medalists well there's a little bit of crossover right like this guy's sometimes friend. they like they will show up at a, like political events and um, but I was not prepped for this question, so I have not, uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody. I'm sure there must have been somebody who was like out as a surrogate for like Romney or Obama or Biden at some point. I just can't remember. Um, 
Uh, but I would say that Jesse Diggins is very a very skilled communicator. Uh, she knows what she wants to say and is very good at um, like at sort of at coming up with complete thoughts in a concise amount of words, which is good for someone like me trying to you know take things she said and put them in the newspaper, but also is uh, a not an easy skill for people who are trying to communicate their positions or get people to follow them politically, um, buy products that they're endorsing. Um, it was clear to me that she's had like a not insignificant amount of media training. Um, you know, she, this didn't make it into the piece, but she talked a little bit about some of the causes that she is, uh, that she is trying to promote uh, as a result of the attention she got after winning the gold medals and climate change initiatives, um, which are important for her sport, but also it sounded to me like they were like important to her personally. Um, and it would not surprise me if uh, when just on my 20 minute conversation with her, uh, she certainly has the, the charisma and the, the communication skills that can translate into into politics pretty smoothly. Is uh, this is actually a very appropriate question for you? Is is Minnesota is Jesse Diggins electable based on Minnesota's uh, what you know about Minnesota's demographics and politics? Well, I don't I don't know much about her politics other than like and we can make a, we can make a lot of assumptions based on like I don't think there's a whole lot of Republicans in cross country skiing. Um, you you know. would know that better than you would know that better than me. We haven't polled. We haven't polled. We haven't polled. Um, so, um, but yeah, I mean, she's Minnesota, she's a hero in Minnesota. She has a, come with a lot of name ID, certainly. And, uh, you know, that's a big part of the game is just having people know who you are. So I think my take home from this is, uh, you know, 2024 seems pretty sewn up at this point, but uh, Diggins Randall, uh, that would be Keegan Randall. They, they won a gold medal together. That could be a pretty solid ticket for uh, 2040, somewhere down the line. Yeah. 2040. Jeez, maybe, she has mean, to, maybe she has to start with the Senate when uh, Senator Klobuchar moves on. Uh, you know, it could be a seat open. Yeah. Okay. Um well, anything and, else and, about and she oh, could sorry. she could like cross country ski across the state while campaigning? That would be a good shtick. That um, seems like it would if, work in Minnesota if they have any snow, which has if, been a problem. But right. then she that leads to. into her climate platform. So there you go. It all it all works together. Yeah. Uh, any anything else from your experience cross with the crossover from politics into cross country skiing? I mean, will we see this? Will we see this showing up? Like, will Jesse Diggins become like a pretty regular pundit over the course of the I mean, I would be fine with me. She, uh, you know, if she wants to, and New Hampshire is probably a little bit more downhill skiing. So I may have to find another, uh, you know, a more mountainous athlete to talk about, talk about the finishes there. Very good. Well, um, Reed Epstein, thank you for uh, joining the Devin Kershaw show. Hopefully we managed to get you to say something that will uh, get you in trouble and generate some more headlines. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll do my best. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Devin Kershaw show. We'll be back soon.